Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Federal judge approves plan to resolve Puerto Rico's bankruptcy. Barbados election challenge dismiss. Elections on the way today. Barbados senator says Antigua and Barbuda's liquidation law to save Liet unfortunate. Vaccine hesitancy. UN landmark new study shows way forward. Inter-American Development Bank program to spur Caribbean tourism sector. Dominica ranks as one of the safest countries in the Caribbean and Latin America in new citizenship report. And Nevis Paradise name top in Caribbean travel awards. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, January 19th. We start a report today in Puerto Rico. The Washington Post reports that a federal judge on Tuesday approved a plan to restructure billions of dollars of Puerto Rico's debt. The move now allows the U.S. territory to exit bankruptcy. The plan was put forward by a bipartisan oversight board established as part of the 2016 Puerto Rico Oversight Management and Economic Stability Act PROMISA. Federal Judge Laura Taylor Swain of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York who has overseen Puerto Rico's bankruptcy proceedings, approved the plan on Tuesday. The restructuring reduces $33 billion of the territory's debt by 80 percent, according to the Financial Oversight and Management Board for Puerto Rico, whose seven members are presidential appointees. Puerto Rico entered bankruptcy with more than $72 billion in debt, with an additional $55 billion owed in underfunded pensions. Under pressure from civil service unions, the board agreed in October to remove cuts to pension plans from the restructuring agreement. Puerto Rico Governor Pedro Perlusi, in a statement on Twitter, said that the plan represents a great step for the economic recovery of our island. Though the plan was not perfect, he said it is very good for Puerto Rico. The restructuring would allow Puerto Rico to start paying back its debts and is likely to lower the territory's financial costs. But it will also require budget cuts, much to the disapproval of the board's critics. According to the article, the plan will put a plug on the ballooning legal fees racked up by the bankruptcy proceedings. Barbados Today reports that the January 19 general elections in Barbados is on. High Court Judge Madame Justice Cicely Chase on Tuesday evening dismissed the application to call off the election. She ruled that the court had no jurisdiction to hear the matter. Philip Catlin of the Barbados Sovereign Party had filed the application on the grounds that the exclusion of COVID-19 positive individuals from the election breaches Section 6 of the Representation of the People Act, which ensures the right of eligible residents and citizens to vote. Barbados Today also reports that today's Wednesday, January 19 general election got off to a smooth start across Barbados at 6 a.m. Approximately 266,330 people, just over 92% of Barbadian population, is registered to vote in the poll. It is the first election being held since the island became a republic in November last year. The election is seen as a straight 
fight between the incumbent Barbados Labor Party, led by Prime Minister Mia Motley, and the Democratic Labor Party, led by Verla de Pisa. Both parties are fielding 30 candidates and will also come up against the Alliance Party for Progress, led by former opposition leader Bishop Joseph Adderley, that is contesting 20 seats. Overall, there are 108 candidates, which includes nine independents. The vote is also proceeding against the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has led to voters among over 5,600 persons in isolation unable to cast their votes in the SNAP poll. The issue was the center of the court challenge on Thursday, brought by Philip Catlin of the Barbados Sovereign Society on the grounds that the rights of Barbadians under Section 6 of the Representation of the People Act were being trampled. He also accused President Dame Sandra Mason of acting unreasonably when she accepted Prime Minister Mia Motley's request for an election in circumstances where thousands of people could be disenfranchised. The Antigua Observer reports that Barbados government officials believe that the handling of severance pay to former Liat employees could be better following Antigua and Barbuda's move to change the country's law in a bid to save the airline in 2020. Senator Lisa Cummings of Barbados Labor Party has called this move unfortunate as she believes that it complicated the issue of severance for former employees. A statement issued by the Cabinet of Antigua and Barbuda explained that under the amended legislation, firms that find themselves in trouble may now apply to the court for protection from their creditors rather than being compelled to liquidate as was the only option available to owners and creditors before the passage of the law. However, Cummings said that the Mia Motley-led administration is remaining committed to labor practices in which companies should be held to task to pay people who are owed severance pay. It was unfortunate that the legislation was changed in Antigua that created a bit of a challenge for the employees of LIA to be able to get their monies if there were any future difficulties with the company and it is on that basis we look at the people that were genuinely involved and affected, Cummings said on Observer AM. Cummings revealed that talks among herself and Barbadians who are formerly at pilots have occurred and she shared her view that a company's internal affairs should not affect its ability to give severance pay. Prime Minister Gaston Brown, who commented during the Liat discussion with Lisa Cummings, said that placing Liat into administration does not change the status on any severance liability that may be payable. He wants the Barbados Labor Party to address if Barbados will provide a severance offer to workers commensurate with their shareholding. Now Grenada reports that the United Nations Resident Coordinator for Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean, Didier Trebuk, said, We now have high-quality information on how to tackle the vexed 
question of vaccine hesitancy, and we must use it wisely. Speaking at the January 14th virtual launch of a groundbreaking study on vaccine hesitancy across six countries in the subregion, Trebuck noted, if we are to find our way out of this pandemic, vaccination is the best answer. If we don't, get the pandemic under control, we may be well looking at a lost decade of development. More than 5,000 people were interviewed for the study across Barbados, Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and Trinidad and Tobago, commissioned by UNICEF, funded by USAID, and conducted by the Caribbean Development Research Services, Inc. The wide-ranging study reports that the typical unvaccinated person in the region is under 30, out of formal work and educated to secondary level. The report also reveals that unvaccinated respondents believe that the vaccines were developed too quickly, are uncertain about what is in them, and it is simply their choice not to take them. According to Trebuck, there is room for hope, however. The study provides insight into what might change minds. 51% cite the need for more medical and scientific information. Over 40% want to know about the side effects and efficacy. 30% want information on the impact of the vaccine on sexual health and their ability to have children. These are all rich veins to explore. The research also suggests that vaccine promotion interventions need to be tailored to their audience. It shows us that different countries have different vaccine hesitancy factors, and we need to respond accordingly. No one size fits all, said Dr. Alois Kamuragiye, UNICEF's representative for the Eastern Caribbean area. I urge all ministries of health and other stakeholders working to address the vaccine hesitancy phenomenon to take this data seriously, he added. Several ministers of health at the launch agreed that the research would help guide future policy. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday report that it's not too early to begin preparing for summer sargasm. Dr. Anjani Ganassi reviews the latest sargasm white paper generated by the United Nations Environmental Program. The big picture requires transatlantic cooperation between West Africa and Brazil to fully understand the annual sargasm influx. Since 2011 and persisting today, sargasm has been washing up on beaches and coasts of the Caribbean and South and Central America as regular summer events. The highest amount to date were 27 million tons estimated of sargasm washed up in 2018, with 20 million tons in 2019. While the two species of sargasm that washed up on shores naturally occur and grow in the mid-Atlantic, the excessive amount of algae bloom transported is new. Scientists are now certain that these blooms are the result of increased nutrient flow from the Amazonian basin mixed with the mineral-rich Sahara dust loaded with iron, nitrogen, and phosphorus from West Africa. Here's the perfect environment for blooming algae catalysts by warming ocean conditions. Current push the seaweeds north to the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico, even as far as the North Atlantic. Drifting sargasm at sea provides habitat 
and refuge for larvae and juvenile marine organisms, such as fish, turtles, mammals, and birds, supplying food and serving as spawning grounds. In near shore environments, sargram can cause fish kills and smother nursery grounds. But the arrival of sargasm to coastal and near shore environments disrupt those marine habitats and harm marine life. Many countries have sought to manage sargasm with varying levels of success. A lot more can be done. Today, there are several public online forums that use remote sensing technology to track and forecast sargasm influxes. Higher resolution satellite coverage mapping showing winds and currents drive sargasm and the biological changes in the sargasm as the drifts are being explored. And more on the ground validation of the model is needed. Sargasm can be harvested and used as a resource material. Research and development have shown that one ton of sargasm can be converted to 4,926 biodegradable single-use plastic bottles or four tons of compost. 811 kilowatts of energy can feed 99 sheep in one week or 500 notebooks. This is a subset of numerous repurposing trials. However, for many of these, cost-benefit analyses still need to be assessed for sustainable business plans. One example is the long-term use of sargasm in composting results in the salination of soils, which may eventually reduce crop yields or result in toxic buildup, making the produce less suitable for consumption. At the country level, national coordination and assessment by governments ought to be undertaken to assess the primary areas of risk and to prioritize areas of intervention for the most vulnerable. Small-scale studies to develop intervention ideas should be prioritized under the regulation of government agencies so that environmental impacts are mitigated. The Caribbean Environmental Program and the Cartagena Convention Secretariat are coordinating with countries throughout the Caribbean to develop sargasm strategies with working groups to assist in building capacity in deficient areas and guide on ecologically friendly management interventions. The Sinkets Nevis Observer reports that a program to help in the technological transformation of tourist destinations and the Caribbean and Latin America has been launched by the Inter-American Development Bank. The Future Tourism Program, which is funded by the General Corporation Fund of Spain, is expected to be a key tool for the recovery and competitiveness of tourism in the region. The Inter-American Development Bank says the Future Tourism Program opens a regional call inviting tourist destinations to benefit from a diagnosis of their level of technological maturity to develop a detailed action plan and pre-investment agreement with public and private sector stakeholders. Data released by the World Travel and Tourism Council shows that Latin America and the Caribbean is one of the regions where the tourism sector has had greatest expansion, generating 10% of the gross domestic product and 9% of employment in 2019. But the Inter-American Development Bank says the crisis 
generated by the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the sector notably, producing a 50% contraction of regional tourism GDP in 2020. The Washington-based financial institution said, in this context, the revitalization of regional tourism is articulated as an essential step toward the recovery and adoption of new technologies as the necessary engine of this process. The organization also notes that the Sustainable Development Goals consider new technologies as a basis element towards inclusion, sustainability, competitiveness, and economic development. The Inter-America Development Bank says all of its 26 member countries, including those in the Caribbean, namely Jamaica, the Bahamas, Barbados, Belize, Guyana, Haiti, Suriname, and Trinidad and Tobago are being invited to submit proposals before March 30th. From the proposal received, it will select 10 destinations that meet a number of requirements. This initiative is aligned with the Inter-American Development Bank's Vision 2025, reinvesting in the Americas, a decade of opportunity to achieve sustainable recovery and inclusion in Latin America and the Caribbean, it added. PR Newswire reports that the Commonwealth of Dominica has been crowned as one of the safest place in the Caribbean and Latin America in a new one-of-a-kind report by the world's leading government advisory and marketing firms, CS Global Partners. The World Citizenship Report, utilizing data from the Global Peace Index 2021 and World Governance Indicators, ranked the Nature Island third in the region with a score of 77.3, bringing it to the 33rd safest place in the international arena. In the Caribbean, Dominica followed Uruguay's safety and security score of 82 and Costa Rica's 79. Iceland, New Zealand, and Switzerland ranked top globally, while economic giants like France, the United States, and the United Arab Emirates trailed much further behind Dominica. The report acknowledged recent weather storms in the Caribbean, but gave Dominica a high standing due to the authorities prioritizing the rapidly developing climate resilient infrastructure on the island. The region has also placed emphasis on physical safety, rule of law, and political stability. Most importantly, Dominica ranks high in categories like voice and accountability, where citizens feel empowered to hold leaders accountable to their demands and needs, the report stated. The World Citizenship Report also offers well-rounded insight into the minds of global citizens and investors worldwide through over 500 interviews by factoring in their top five priorities, safety and security, quality of life, economic opportunity, global mobility, and financial freedom. Overall, thanks to lucrative opportunities that appeal to business people and families throughout Dominica's Citizenship by Investment program, the World Citizenship Report placed Dominica in the top 30% of 188 of the world's jurisdictions. 
And finally, the Sinkitz Nevis Observer reports that Paradise Beach Resort has been named Best Resort Villa of the Year in 2021 Caribbean World Travel and Living Awards. The luxurious resort on the western shore of Nevis features a collection of eight secluded villas and five beach houses. Each villa has private pools and kitchens, ideal for small or large groups of friends and corporate retreats. Chief Executive Officer of the Nevis Tourism Authority said, We are delighted to see Paradise Beach Resort recognized as the best in class in the Caribbean when it comes to villas. Their luxury villas and beach houses perfectly showcase just how exquisite a trip to Nevis can be. Nevis was also shortlisted in the Best Wedding Island, Best Honeymoon Island, and Best Golf Island categories. In its 27th year, the Caribbean World Travel and Living Awards celebrates the best that the Caribbean has to offer, while highlighting hotels, resorts, islands, and industry personnel that have exceeded expectations over the last year. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, January 19th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.